wanted to take a moment to invite you to check out my website, karagoodwin.com. I have a lot of resources out there to support your meditation practice. You can sign up to receive a free guided meditation to bring more calmness and light into your life. There's also a 21-day Learn to Meditate self-study program. This can help you cultivate your own meditation practice or take your existing practice even deeper. Or if you're inspiring others in your life to begin meditating, that could be a great resource for them. There are also recorded workshops that Michael Massey and I have collaborated on, which dive into advanced concepts on consciousness. And I'll soon be releasing more offerings to support your growth, including an upcoming retreat later in the year. So please check it out at karagoodwin.com. And thanks for your support and enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I have Michelle Kennedy joining. Michelle is an author, a Reiki master, an Akashic Records reader, and a meditation and mindfulness facilitator. So welcome, Michelle. So happy you're here. Thank you. I am so happy to be here, Kara. So let's start by talking about your journey into working with energy. Have you always been kind of tapped in or is it something that developed over time or how did it, how did you get to where you are now? So I have probably always been tapped in, but not always fully aware and definitely not um, welcoming to it. So when I was a kid, I definitely felt sense ghosts, shadows, spirit kind of energy. Um, I remember in our grandparents' house, it was a very old Victorian, and uh, my sister and I were terrified to go to the bathroom upstairs by ourselves because we would hear creaking floors, we would see shadows go by. We both, you know, were able to validate each other, but nobody else believed us. Um, And then I saw my first actual ghost at age eight, And that was um, a family cat who had passed, who was actually, I thought, hated me. And I was terrified of him because he had, he had issues. It was a dysfunctional family. He felt the tension, lashed out at the weakest, smallest person in the house, which was me. So we didn't have a great relationship in our life, but apparently he came to me in my bed. I felt heaviness on my belly and I And I heard purring and I opened my eyes and he was there giving me the cat. I love you, Facey. (laughs) And I was terrified. And I was like, "Um, close my eyes. Like, no, I must be sleeping. And then he started kneading and I, and I opened my eyes and I was terrified still. And then I ended up putting the covers over my head and saying, go away, go away, go away. And he did. And Um, so he was like physical. It was physical. Yes, it was physical. Um, What I've come to understand as an adult is I think he came back to make peace with me. Like, I'm sorry, I hurt you. You were always good to me because I really was. Um, I always tried to make friends with him, pet him, love him. You know, it just wasn't that, you know, kind of environment to Mm. to hone that for him. but, you know, he came back to visit. And then it was always animals when I was a kid that I actually saw the physical embodiment of the ghost. Um, and then I, I don't consider it shutting off. A lot of people that I work with tell me that they shut it down. They shut it off. 
I think in adolescence, a lot of us, it, it, it kind of moves to the background because we are developing so much mental, emotional stuff. Um, and even our self-expression changes. So I think it kind of moves to the background. And then it came back in my young adulthood and I was in denial and like, no, that's weird. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it came back around again, kept coming back around. And I always say this to people that if something's meant to be yours, if something's meant to be part of you, it will keep coming around till you're ready to accept it. Mm. And so it did. It eventually came around for me to accept it. Um, my husband and I got engaged and we said, we're joining a gym. And I tried everything in the gym. And the only thing that stuck was yoga. Mm-hmm. And I eventually went to teacher training for that. Um, during teacher training, I was pregnant with our first child. And somebody wanted to gift me a Reiki session, which in my you know, young adulthood in college, I was like, oh, that's so weird. Um, but I was accepting of it then. And um, I enjoyed it. And she said I had healing gifts, didn't know what they were. I was like, great, what do I do with that? And she, I said, can you teach me? And she said, no, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not a master. So I just put it on a back burner. And when I was pregnant with our second child, my the day I found out I was pregnant, was the day we found out my husband had cancer. You're kidding me. I am not kidding you. Oh, my goodness. So um, it was a a very challenging time in our lives. But um, he started doing, our our yoga teacher recommended a Reiki master. And his, he didn't want to do treatment. I was terrified. I have two little babies and I'm going to be like a widow. What the hell? And the Reiki master started working on him. And she said, you have to do the treatment. Um, but before he even started the treatment, he was in a, a um, study in Sloan Kettering. And they said, well, you waited too long to start treatment. You have to have a second PET scan. And his second PET scan showed that the tumor had shrunk. So Reiki alone was helping him. He did do the treatment. He did both. It helped him so much, reduced his toxins, reduced his, his side effects of the chemo, and he healed very quickly. And I said to the Reiki master, I, you, I need to learn this and you need to be my teacher. And skip to the, the part where I got my first attunement, all that ghostly activity that I had throughout my years, which the humankind, it was usually shadows, fear couldn't, you know, would in my mind ask, what do you want and not get anything but static. Right after the attunement, my first encounter with a ghost was clear. And I heard it. I knew what they wanted. I could communicate back to them. And I was like, this is, everything has changed. Wow. (laughs) Well, what I love about that is even when you were talking about being eight years old and, you know, in having that encounter with your cat, which was really frightening, um, you told it to go away and it went away, you know, so you were ultimately in control. And I, I feel like that's an important thing to talk about and to highlight Um, because there are a lot of people who go through this. I mean, everybody has their own level of awakening where, you know, they understand things at whatever level, you know, they've, they've 
they are at. Um, but that can be such a scary experience for people. Um, and it's important to recognize that we are in control. So not to feel like something is happening to us, but to remember that, okay, we may be ha- having an encounter, but we are in control. So what do we want? You know, and then just, you know, be that. If you want it to go away, stand in your power and tell it to go away. Um, but that um, that's so powerful. And then it's amazing, like, how you continue to develop and then the activation that happened with the Reiki attunement, um, how that crystallized things is really, really beautiful, really powerful. Yeah, it it was, it was life changing. And I agree with you. We are always in control, even when we don't feel in control, Mm -hmm. you know, fear can sometimes feel like there is no escape and that we're under threat, but our, our soul is always safe. Mm -hmm. You know, we always have the power to reject. Right. And while you've been talking to and maybe just a third time, I saw something go by you and I don't know if they're orbs or if it's like little things getting caught in the light. I don't know. Are you sensing something on your left side? This happens often. Uh-huh. Um, I, we have a lot of fairies in the house really, and they're, they're quite benevolent, so it's okay, but they do often like to be seen on, on zoom. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I see them. Cause it didn't look like, I mean, I, you know, usually if there's like dust settling, it's not just one. Um, and it's been pretty distinct and pretty cool. So, uh, that's awesome. I'm so, I'm so honored that they want to be seen right now. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about your book. So you have a book called Hold Space, Affirmations and Meditations for Healing and Loving Yourself. So tell us what, um, who will benefit from this book, who you wrote it for, what type of person you wrote it for, and what they can find in there. Sure. Um, I actually wrote this book for just about anyone. Um, it started out as... Um, affirmations that I wrote for clients that would help them in between sessions, you know, people who were really struggling with issues, whether it was anxiety or trauma or grief and, and would write down some affirmations for them to work on in between. And I just kind of held them thinking, Oh, maybe that'll be like an affirmation deck or something. And then when the shutdown happened and a lot of my clients were like, I'll wait till you come back to the office because we all thought it was going to be a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I had, you know, I didn't want to let fear sit in, set in, but it was getting there. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was like, it, it's time for the book. You mm. always say you have no time. Now you have time. Yeah. And I had a few, I have a few ideas of books. And so that was the one that seemed the most accessible to everyone through the pandemic and to coming out of the pandemic, you know, I have said to other people, many people that I don't think any of us are going to get out of this, this time in our lives without a therapist or some kind of healing assistance. And so this is the kind of book that's a great complement to whatever you're working on yourself with a therapist, with a healer, with an energy worker, whoever you are working with, um, 
it is helpful to get in, dig into the work and either go deeper or understand it a little bit better. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Um, so I wanted to talk, you, you have access to the Akashic records and, um, first of all, this has come up a few times on the podcast, but in case there's anybody who hasn't run across this topic, can you just talk about what that is before we dive into that topic? Absolutely. So the way I like to describe Akashic records is that, um, we each have our soul's history this lifetime, all of our karma from past lifetimes, all of our karma or traumas from this lifetime and all potential futures. And it is all sometimes described as in a library, in a book, um, and that our book of life includes all those things, every single uh, lifetime avatar that we've, we've lived, um, all our karma, all of our... Across all dimensions. Um, right, and exactly. Mm-hmm. And it could go back to be before Earth. You know, it mm-hmm. could be any lifetime. And it also includes the people that we tend to come with and come back and get over and over again with or that we have a beef with that we want to deal with. And, and then, again, potential futures and potential future lifetimes. Um, I used to think of it more like a book. Now I kind of think of it more like the cloud that you mm-hmm. can kind of call. When I'm working with the Akashic Records, it's like calling down what is needed in this time in this person's life or in my life that I need to know or that they need to know to help them move forward on the path that they intended or the purpose they intended in this life. Mm, Okay. That's really helpful. Thank you. So how did it come about that you um, developed or realized this, this ability within you to be able to access and read these records? Uh, Again, I think it was like this look back on my life and realizing I had access before knowing it, Mm -hmm. um, I would have flashes of images. Um, you know, I remember somebody at work telling me that she went to a psychic who told her about a past life and, and who in her life now was in her past life. And I started seeing the scene and she said, and, and I, you know, I died when I was a little girl and I started describing what I was seeing and the staircase and this and that. And she, she, like her face went white and she's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just know. Wow. That's (laughs) Um, amazing. Yeah. And and then there was like, um, there's a couple of other things that, that came up that I didn't realize until later on. I actually thought that the Akashic records was part of Reiki. I mm-hmm. thought that just happened because, as I said, oh, after my level one, I had all this up. access and yeah. I thought, oh, that's Reiki. I did not learn that it was separate <laughs> from Reiki till about six or seven years ago really? when I had a conversation with my Reiki master about my very first star seed. And she was like, that's the Akashic Records, Michelle. And I'm like, write that down <laughs> phonetically and look it up. Wow. Um, and then I started doing research, reaching out on on Reiki pages and groups and Facebook and Reddit and, hey, anybody else do this? And realizing there was very few. And I found one person who had a very similar experience to me of how they discovered it. And we became really like 
instant friends and kind of, I want to say like co-mentors to each other of like validating each other and our stuff. And beautiful thing about validation, when you validate yourself as well as get validation from others, it expands. So my access to the Akashic Records kept growing and growing and growing. The more I validated it, the more I validated myself and confidence in it. And it just, it just got bigger and better. That's incredible. So you can access them for yourself and then you also can access for clients. Yes, except when we access for ourselves and, and any medium psychic, any (laughs) would say the same thing. Harder for us to access our own things because we have our own judgments and we have our own blocks up for ourselves. Um, when somebody else can do the reading, it's like they can't, they they don't have the same blocks that we put up. It's like when we exercise ourselves and we're like, nah, I'm not going to do that weight or I'm not going to do that yoga pose. Or uh-huh. so we, it's, it is, I am capable and I have read my records to an extent. Okay. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, okay. And another thing that another, um, topic that's related to you is around crystals and I love crystals. Um, I would love to hear your experience with them. I keep seeing stuff fly by you. I know. So I just funny. saw one go right before my eyes. Yes. <laughs> Um, you like acknowledge me yes oh there goes another one I know, I oh my down. goodness so crystals it seems like uh the beings around you like this topic too so <laughs> um so what are some of your favorite crystals to work with um first of all yes fairies love crystals I, if you want to create a fairy garden, hang crystals and shiny things in your garden. Oh, awesome. um, They love it. So right now I literally have two Lemurian quartz next ah, to me. Okay. Um, I, I, I have a past life in Lemuria. So these are near and dear to me. And I love rubbing the etchings. Mm-hmm. And just it feels very centering and grounding to me, whether it's connecting me to that lifetime in that piece there or just... The sensory, you know, enjoyment. There we go again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also really enjoy garden quartz, which has like this world inside it. Garden just... quartz? I've never heard of that. So it has two other names, which you may know. Shaman's Dream. Okay. And Lodolite. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So it has all these different other uh, minerals inside the quartz and... So it has all this different stuff going on inside and minerals. And is it kind of a smoky sort of color? Well, it it looks smoky because of the darker minerals in it, which is probably like hematite. Okay. Um, But um, sometimes they have chloride, they have hematite, and I can't remember what the pinkish purple one is. But um, there's not, no twirl-like. Mm-hmm. And you could just gaze at these things and kind of dive into that world. I almost feel like it is little mini, like fairy worlds. Yeah. Um, I think of like Rick and Morty, the cartoon where he's like carrying around the battery and it's really like little people living in there. It almost feels like he's <laughs> holding some other time and space of this little world where other beings live. Um, so I really enjoy that. Um 
And I would say malachite and hematite are probably in there. Those are like my top four. Are there any specifically that help you with specific things like, um, you know, you really like this type for healing, you like this type when you're, you know, needing some grounding or, or is it really just kind of in the moment what kind of, you know, you feel attuned to at that time? Um, I, I go by intuition always. I have two bowls of, of crystals that I use during healing sessions that I intuitively pick, or I will sometimes visually see the crystal in my third eye that they need or be told. Like I have all the clairs are active in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they may tell me, you know, Amazonite <laughs> and I grab Amazonite. Um, same thing for me. I have all kinds of crystal necklaces, and today it was this amethyst slice that was calling to me. Um, but yes, yeah, so for protection, um, I always wear something that's either protective or grounding or both. Even my rings mm-hmm. have the same kind of choice, like what I need that day mm-hmm. or for that client. Um, like, uh, you know, they might tell me, there's going to be a stormy day, not weather-wise, but emotionally, and I'll grab my Peter site um, and wear that. So, oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's very kind of intuitive of what I'm guided to. But I love for grounding. I Actually, garden quartz is good for grounding as well as clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, so is smoky quartz, hematite, any of the dark black stones or red stones are, are great for grounding. Tourmaline. Too. Yeah, tourmaline, onyx, obsidian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I've just been reading um, lately. I'm not reading a book about crystals, but it keeps coming up, and and she keeps calling them like crystal beings, and like there, you know, there is this consciousness and this intelligence in the crystals, which is a beautiful way to. I mean, she literal. She means it very literally, and and. I don't know that I had really considered that before, that there were consciousness and they were beings, but I do understand or I, I accept, you know, the, the, some people talk about crystals being like technology and that, you know, there are, uh, in other, you know, other realms that crystals are like these energy generators and they power things and, and uh, it's uh, they're very powerful and um, and really I don't know I just love hearing what people what people are drawn to and how they use them and it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree with that person, whoever that was. I mean, I do feel my crystals talk to me sometimes mm-hmm. that they do have some kind of consciousness. And then the the story behind the Lemurian these lines these etchings are the writings of the ancient priests and priestesses of Lemuria. And they put the wisdom from that time into these crystals. And when you're called to one of these and you hold it, it's supposed to mean that this was your wisdom that you are reclaiming. Oh, wow. And that's why rubbing these etchings, is supposed to be almost like your way of downloading and reconnecting with it. Oh, that's really powerful. Yeah. So you um, mentioned um, you mentioned star seeds, and as we're talking about crystals and different you know dimensions that the crystals work in, 
Um, I'd love to hear about the work that you do with star seeds um, and what your experience might have been with different star systems, if you want to go into that. Sure. Um, so for just to give like an intro, the way I understand what star seeds are is that your soul originated on a different planet or star system be- before you lived on Earth. And many star seeds are here now on Earth. I believe they say it's 800,000 of us, uh, maybe more. Um, actually, oh boy. That, that was, was a, a big, big one. one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was like <laughs> kind of starting to take form almost. My goodness. Yes. Did you see those wings? Yes, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes, maybe they're correcting me. So I think there's actually 800,000 beings from Andromeda, but there are millions of starseeds on Earth. I hope that pleases them that I corrected that. Um, and we may be from multiple star systems or planets. We may not just be from one. Um, I personally... Uh, just had a session of quantum healing because I was dying to know where my soul originated. And I have a strong uh, affinity and connection to Sirius. Um, I also have a strong connection to Andromeda. Mm -hmm. And then there are other things that I know that I've been connected to through some of my own Akashic work. Um, And in that session, they said that my my soul essence was like birthed in Andromeda, but I am from many places and I am not just from one thing and I am mm. not of one um, place. And that took me weeks at least to kind of make peace with that because I was really feeling like I was going to get validation about the serious thing, but I realized that I have a strong link to serious because of the work that I'm doing here now, where Sirius is home to a lot of the ascended masters and archangels who are teachers there. And I think a lot of star seeds had to do prep work if they were meant to be light workers here. Mm-hmm. And they had to be do a lot of that work on Sirius before coming. So I think that's the strong link. And I made my peace with, yeah, I feel very bonded with Andromeda. Um, Andromeda. That's really interesting. I've heard that too, that like um, a lot of us came through the Pleiades and Sirius in order to prepare to come here. Um, And funnily enough, uh, I also uh, have an Andromedan um, origin too. So, and it's funny because there, there aren't a lot of us. So, um, but I do find that I find Andromedans pretty easily. They just show up like you did. (laughs) So... (laughs) And there we go. That's how we like clicked right away and felt like fine with each other. That's just, yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think we're pretty cool people, Andromeda. Yeah, uh, obviously, you know. (laughs) And I'm curious because a lot of people woke up, like the lights went on in the shutdown Mm -hmm. and a lot of people came into awakening and suddenly I had this pouring in of like 80 to 90% of my clients were starseeds coming into who am I? Right. And what am I supposed to be doing? Um, is that your experience or did you know before? I've only come to understand this in the last, gosh, how long has it been? Not that long. A year, two years, maybe. I mean, 
I wasn't even really that convinced about UFOs until probably three years ago. Um, it was something that as a child, I completely believed and I, and it was something I quote unquote grew out of, you know, over time where I became like much, much more, uh, convinced about the tangible world. You know, it was like the material world is what is true. And so the UFOs were for, you know, the, the less grounded people and, um, and so it took me a while to start to open up to even like, oh, maybe UFO, maybe people aren't making that up when they talk about UFOs, you know, and, and, uh, wow, it really exploded pretty fast where it was like that acceptance and then just, um, different experiences, multidimensional experiences where I have seen some things and had personal remembrances and, and, um, but also different external verifications, like what you're talking about, um, uh, having different, you know, where that Andromeda comes up as like the, the strongest link, but like you, um, not the only link. So it's kind of like that's home. That's kind of the origin, but work has been happening in other places. Um, I'm have, I'm interviewing Jacqueline Smith, um, in a couple of weeks. I don't know if you're familiar with Jacqueline. I mean, not the Charlie's angel, but <laughs> that's why the name is sounding familiar. Who was my favorite angel? <laughs> she's a, she's a hybrid. So she is like, has full memories of, of her own, like, uh, her, she's got a book out called star being in the mirror, I think is what it's called which is, is really fascinating. And, and she talks about like, she was able to access memories of her own soul's creation. And for, um, I guess it would be more her for this hybrid body that she's in here incarnated in at this time, but where she was like, they were pulling strands from different systems, different, you know, um, different DNA, you know, human DNA as well, not like including her parents, of course, but then some other things got pulled in and stuff. Really fascinating and expansive. And, um, but anyway, yeah, totally fascinating. And I so love that there is this surprise Andromedan connection here. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. I agree. It's, it's really, it's kind of mind blowing. And again, like you said, there's so, I mean, 800,000 sounds like a lot, but there's so few of us that we don't encounter each other all that often. Mm-hmm. And when we do, it's just like, it, it does. It feels like a homecoming, like, you know, you know each other. And and I think that happens with a lot of starseeds because we have experienced these different places together mm-hmm. in, in many timelines, especially because we all came here for this like big shift in the earth and we want to be here to witness and assist in it. Mm-hmm. And so we find a, a lot of my clients, I find this kinship with them because it's like um, we've been through some of the same stuff. We've lived in some places either together or not. And I think that's part of the this collective that we're supposed to find each other mm-hmm. and help raise this vibration together. Cause that always helps, you know, people meditate together, people focus on energy together. That's what lifts masses of, of people up. 
Absolutely. And like you were saying before, too, how, you know, with this awakening that's that's happening, people are understanding more and more about who they are. And that expansion, you know, every time we expand and we do that self-discovery, too, um, we, we can't underestimate the effect that that has on other people, too, which is just... So it's beautiful, like what you're talking about, how we come together and we collaborate and we kind of amplify each other through meditation, through, you know, you and I, what we're doing exactly right now in this instant. Um, So, you know, somebody may come to somebody like you and want to know, like, okay, what is my Akashic history? What's in my record? What What star systems am I a part of? Um, And it may be that, like, in that session... It's kind of a lot to be able to really unpack or accept or integrate right away. I, I've had that experience where I'm like, you know, I, I went to a, an Akashic Record reader in Sedona, and she was telling me stuff like, you know, you're you're from Andromeda, you're you have this Lyrian connection, you have a Sirius Pleiadian, you know, you came through Sirius and, and Ple, the Pleiades, and it was like too much for me right then. You know, I was like, okay if you say so, you know, but it, what I couldn't integrate it at that time fully. It was kind of one of those, like, she probably tells everybody that, you know, like, and, uh, but then, you know, like just keep like putting that on a shelf, it kind of became more and more relevant over time. And that was perfect for me because, uh, it just, it's, it was, I was not ready to be like fully switching over to like, okay, I'm Andromedan, you know, and, and whatnot, but like having that information in my pocket to then, you know, remember later after I'm experiencing other things and then kind of retrofitting like, oh my gosh, I have this information that I forgot about because it wasn't relevant at the time. Um, and there can be things like that come up with past lives, with, um, you know, different uh, future lives, future potentialities, all this kind of stuff that can come up, um, with a session like an Akashic reading or, or something like that, where it's kind of like, if we just honor where we are and keep an open heart, open mind, but we don't have to take, you know, may not be that everything feels relevant at the time, but, what comes through can be very, very interesting as time goes by. I don't know if you have any any experiences like that, but that's been the case totally. for me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that quantum healing session was a little a little much, mm-hmm. and I had to sit with it for a while. And even like I said, when the shutdown happened, I had only had um, a, a handful, like literally one handful of starseed awakening happened prior to that not that long like 2019 but I think it was getting my feet wet as much as helping these people get their feet wet to awaken and there I remember one or two in particular that said this is a lot to unpack I'm gonna have to sit with it and I never saw them again Mm -hmm. because it was a little too much and that's okay I get it and I even said that like this is a lot because I didn't have a lot of experience with it but I was like is it going to sound way out there? Yeah. Let's talk. Um, and then in 2020, when I just, it was like one after the other. And I remember saying to my husband, like, this is, even for me, it was like, this is so much. And he said, how does that change 
all that you know about like heaven and after death. And I was like, I have to sit with this for a while because this is a whole new spectrum of ideas, beliefs, like that would eventually become part of my belief system. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, but I want to just mention too, I also have Lyran connection <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Yeah. Um, I believe that it was like Lyran, the, the, the vegans that moved to Sirius and like that whole transition. Um, but a lot of, uh, a lot of bird connection to the, the Lyrans of the, like both the bird people and the cat people. Uh, see, I, yeah, I connect Lyrans more with cats. So I didn't realize there was a, a bird connection. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot I don't know about the star systems. I find it fascinating, but there is so much I don't know for sure. So what I understand is that the blue avian beings lost their planet in some destruction war. So they basically moved in with the Lyrans. And mm. uh, so I, I think that the Lyrans star system that there's more than one planet mm-hmm. right so i don't know how much they commingle or if they're on different stars but right. um but the the avian people also now are on Lyran or for m- millions of years so they, it's almost like they are Lyran now right um, so i have a lot of bird connections and communications often my messengers are birds um and yeah it's, it's an interesting thing. I wonder if that's some of the winged beings as well, maybe a little. I wonder. There was just another one while you were talking about that. You you looked <laughs> away for a second. You may have missed it, but. Um. I did miss it. <laughs> it's like they're getting stronger. Oh. Yeah. So how can people find you? How can they connect with you and learn more and get your book and all that good stuff? So I, um, I am on Instagram. At my Reiki healer, I'm barely on Facebook. I am also on uh, TikTok, but the the main social media place that I'm on is Instagram. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Everything is at my Reiki healer. My website is myreikihealer.com. Um, they can buy my book on Amazon. The link is is both in my bio on Instagram and on my site. Um, you can download. I did this very very mindfully. I published it, self-published on Amazon as well as Ingram Spark. So that way, if you want to download the ebook on on Kindle or you want to buy it on Amazon because of the convenience and free shipping, all great. But I wanted to support small business and bookstores and make sure that they are supported so that they stay in business. You can get it both places. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, what a joy to be connected with you, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thanks for all of the insight. This has been a really full and rich discussion. Um, And more importantly, thank you for everything that you're doing to help um, awaken other people and support other people, you know, as we kind of have this wave of awakening that's happening. Um, What you're doing is so very important. So thank you so much. Thank you. I want to add, by the way, um, if any of your listeners are Starseeds, um, I have started a Starseed Support Assembly is what it is called. And it's basically like a group, almost like a Facebook page, but I didn't want to do it on Facebook. Um, It is a forum where you can 
write things, experiences, ask questions, and then once a month we get together and I talk about a different starseed origin and what the characteristics are because I feel it's, well, it's not just me. This was guided mm -hmm. that we need to be informed. Oh, that's beautiful. What a great offering. And that's on your website. They can find information about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. What a blessing to connect with you, Michelle. Same here, Kara. I'm so happy to know another Andromedon <laughs> and I'm so happy to have this time and space with you. Thank you. Please share this episode. I appreciate your support, rating, reviewing, and sharing. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.